Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid report prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. One foot in front of the well, it was a pretty cool day in uh, America today when a resource personnel officer at the school, at uh, Great Mills High School in Maryland, shot down a shooter with one round, preventing further carnage and catastrophe. I'll get into that and so much more with my friend Oliver McGee. Oliver, welcome to Keeping It Real with Alexander Garrett today. Well, thank you for having me today, Alex, and you're always keeping it real. I'm trying to, and not many people like it. I'm sure you see that by now on Facebook and Twitter but I, and Instagram. But you know what? It's got to be said. The realness has to be said that, you know, the Democrats are out in la-la land while Trump knows how to get stuff done. Even today, they're all complaining about how he congratulated Putin. But what they forgot to talk about was how he wants to sit down and talk North Korea, Syria, Turkey. And, and, and why don't they care about that little stuff that matters, that actually matters? They well, like, well, like your show is, this is about keeping it real. Uh, that's all about um, uh, authenticity. Trump is, is authentic. That's why we voted him in office. He keeps it real. Um, all of the candidates in the fields that he beat in 2016 uh, were trying to stage something that they were doing, talking loud and not saying nothing, like James Brown used to say. And that is inauthenticity. Uh, right now, I think voters right now are saying we want real candidates who are authentic, who can get us into looking at what's possible instead of talking about what's happened. Uh, we're going, uh, the Democratic Party calls itself progressive, but they do a whole lot of talking about what happened long, long, long time ago, all the way back to Watergate. Well, folks in your generation, Alex, uh, millennials and, 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 and younger, they don't know what Watergate is. Nor do they really they, care. Let's be honest about that. They don't care. They're talking, when I talk to millennials today, they're saying that we're about ready to change Facebook and Twitter and get the brand new uh, social media platform. They're already in the collective. They're already in the community. They're already ready to innovate. They're already in the realm of, stat- of strategy uh, execution. And they of course, into- Twitter, Twitter doesn't allow that because, you know, sometimes they block conservatives and they block people that disagree with the main people at Twitter's views, if, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. And that's just Twitter and Facebook and social media shaking itself out. They're in, if you really think about it, these platforms came on in the early 2000s. And right now we're moving towards 2020. So 20 years hence, 
Do you think the technology is not going to change? Of course it is. By the way, I'm, ta- I'm, I'm talking with someone who, uh, Oliver McGee, who is a Ph.D., but he also was a White House senior science and tech policy advisor. So if you want to take technology advice from someone, it's Oliver McGee. Am I correct on that? Yes, it is. So, so dealing with the technology, how can we get our word out if we're being blocked uh, as millennial conservatives? And, and even Democrats, maybe some of them, but not many of them are blocked on Facebook or Twitter, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, the key thing about social media today and uh, the new medium, the, mu- the new media that's taking place right now, podcasts, uh, people are basically able to film to hundreds of thousands of people from the garage, uh, is to keep, keep your message and your content clean, keep it bold, and keep it relevant, and make it breaking to the issues of the social technological, educational, economic, and political issues. This is what my website's about, the steep issues invested in steep giving forward at Partnership Possibilities for America. Uh, That's OliverMcGee.org. We talk about these five issues so that we keep it relevant to what is on the kitchen table issues of American voters, but also what's on the issues in the plate as we go internationally. We're in the age right now of Trumpism. We're in the age of international populism. And while we have that megaphone, we need to be able to speak up and start looking at what, how do we see the institution of the presidency in the, in the United States? Uh, this probe, whatever it is, the Russian concussion is going to die down quickly, as it should, because we have to get to the point where we're every day raising the status of the American presidency. Uh, The progressives are trying to push into this realm of this narrative that we're going to have another failed presidency. Well, no, we can't have that no more. The, the millennials in this new age and generation as it's going to 2076, Alex, America's third century, cannot afford to have another failed presidency. That's ridiculous. And I am a very strong advocate of, you know, advancing the institution of the presidency because it's one of the five American institutions, the family, the schools, the churches, the government, the corporation, and charities, philanthropy. So we have to start thinking about how we look at the state in relation to the people, and we the people are responsible for we the lawmakers who are accountable. And this is essentially what Trumpism is about, making it we the people and making the lawmakers accountable for providing the services that we give them the privilege to serve. And the presidency is a dignified privilege. And you know the efficiencies he, of the lawmakers. He he it's not lost on him. I notice a lot of the time Trump's very, very President Trump is very, very honorable. You know, he honors the former presidents before him, not so much Obama, but the I mean the old time guys, the founding fathers. He has a very historical mind about himself that I think is helping him succeed in the White House today. Absolutely, uh, Alex. And I think, you know, um, when we look at our American presidency in relation to England's monarchy, uh, the monarchy has been sustained in itself through the House of Windsor for merely, really about uh, a century. Uh, before that, it was completely unorganized and all over the place, much like America was. So when you think about the Civil War in America as defining the, the, the defining moment of an unorganized to an organized society in America in shaping our social fabric, we established the American presidency 
post-Lincoln, to be able to organize a rapidly reorganizing a country. And the same thing that happened in the monarchy as well. But what they do with the monarchy in England, and one of the few that are left in Europe, is they make sure that it remains in the realm of dignity. They try to keep it in that realm. Yeah, sometimes uh, the, the folks, the, the, our monarchy is built of people, of individuals, much like the American presidency. And sometimes individuals fall short to that higher dignity of the institution. But we have to be resting in that here because this is why – the reason I bring this up on your show, Alex, is because President Trump is going to be visiting the England, the prime minister, and the queen by the end of the year, sometime in October or November. This is a time after he finishes with his, his uh, populism and getting that pushed through that we're going to be moving into international populism, and that's where the crown exists right now. The crown would not have survived if it was not turned into a popular monarchy. Hey, if Hillary, what, if, if Hillary was elected, would we have lost the institution as of the presidency of the United States? I think we would have. I think she proved that uh, in her comments in the last few days because she's still talking about the title of her book, What Happened, instead of What's Possible. And what 2018, or 2016 election was about was what's possible for America. That's really what Make America Great Again is all about. And in 2020, uh, keeping America great is about being in that clearing and that possibility. And there's no room to be talking about what happened when you're moving that fast, when an economy moving this fast, jobs are being created by the millions. Uh, he's up to almost 3 million jobs right now. And when we have you know, uh, uh, basically perfect unemployment, right now. And that's true unemployment, not part-time jobs, not jobs that basically people have for four months and then they're out of work again. These are permanent, secure jobs. And more importantly, for the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, uh, your audience has, I'm sure they got a lot more in their paper in their, in their paper stubs on their paychecks, and they've got a lot more in their wallets and their pocketbooks right now. I, and I would have to believe so. And their 401ks are looking delicious. Uh, absolutely. I would have to believe so. Now, you talk about possibility. <laughs> you talk about what Trump brings for possibility. And yesterday on my show, I said this. Trump's bringing possibility by threatening. So build the wall. Yeah, that actually will happen. But the idea of building the wall has reduced immigration, <laughs> lowest border crossings in, in our lifetime, really, for a while. Uh, we've also had... You know, fire and fury. Kim Jong-un now wants to back down and meet with Trump. So he's got these ideas. He's bringing possibility to America and they just don't want to see it. Half the half the country just doesn't want to see it. Yeah, you know, uh, half the country is basic. They see it. They see it clearly. You can't miss a rocket skyrocketing stock market. You can't miss, uh, you know, near four percent unemployment. Maybe uh, possibly even lower in some states, and you can't miss uh, growth that is pushing its way, you know, up to four percent, and could possibly under Larry Kudlow moving faster than that because he's a growth guy coming from the Reagan Revolution. So they see it, they feel it in their pocketbooks. Uh, you know, some of the progressives that we see on the left are are millionaires. So they see it. Andrew McCade, who was just fired in the FBI, uh, he's worth $11 million. Isn't that something? Yeah. So they see it. But the issue is 
uh, are they being authentic in recognizing that others should see it? Because I think what President Trump's administration, uh, Alex, is about otherness. It's about otherness. Before, it was all about me. Uh, I think we went through eight years of Obama, and that was all about me. And then now we've gone after Hillary's loss, and now we're about me too. Well, when did we get about me and me too, when we should be about others and all of us? That's what we the people is about. And that's what Trump, uh, um, Trumpism was about. Make America great again. Now, keep America great. That's about otherness. And this is a very, very dignified presidency, and we need to support that institution of the presidency, irregardless of the institution of the, of the individual that's in it, because that presidency, that seat is borrowed. It is not owned by any one person. It's borrowed. And then after that, it, it gets shifted to another person. So it must survive. You can't tear down presidencies and bring up stupid issues like impeachment and then expect the presidency to rise back up. Uh, we need to put impeachment into the bed and forget about that, especially when we have this type of leadership of America across the world. Look at what Donald Trump did at Davos. That was phenomenal. He was a rock star. And I think oftentimes he looks forward to going out into the country so that he can be, see how much he is appreciated as an institution abroad. Uh, we are too noisy down here in America, and we're too busy basically arguing about the left and the right and, and, and inside and outside and up and down, and we don't know which way is up. American people do. But they know exactly what's going on. And as I said yesterday, they're really tired of this molar probe. It's a distraction. It's Russian concussion. And I'm annoyed with it, and so are the American people, too. And, you know, he dedicated about $10 million of it to continue, which is a lot of money for something that's not found anything except for maybe something with ties to Ukraine, not even Russia, if you're, what, uh, Mike Flynn and then Paul Manafort. So, I mean, it's a useless probe at the moment, and I don't see anything coming out of it that's going to be much use to the Democrats. So you think they're going to wrap it up? You think Trump's going to wrap this up? Well, I think um, is actually as Trump is he's keeping his hands off of it as he should because he's in the realm of a dignity. He's in the realm of being a dignified president. The efficiency of this uh, process, this politics of this probe, that's in the sausage making, and it's very probably good for Trump to stay out of that. But in that sausage making, they've got to clean up the farmhouse. Because if they start taking this messy farm sausage uh, massacre into uh, April and May, uh, you've got only from May to November to make your case, if you're on the left, about how you are the party of yes. Because this whole probe says you're the party of no. And I just don't see people going to polls, Alex, in 2018 saying, you know what, I think I want to vote for less money in my pocketbook. I definitely want to go back and cut my 401k in half. And let me see if I can go and get that unemployment back up to eight, maybe nine percent, because I like that pain that I felt last year for the last eight years. So let's bring on that back. You think they're going to vote like that? No, they're going to vote for yes. One would hope gonna, not, but they're going to take yeah. the media spin on everything, and, and Lord know it, I hope they don't, because the media spin's not helping anybody these days. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm sure in the next few months we're going to see drastic growth from the tax cuts, and that will inspire people going into 2018 to keep senators. Now, one senator, though, that, that really is bothering me is Lindsey Graham. He actually was like, mm -hmm. we should you know, do a hearing on the firing of McCabe. Why are there so... Pro 
senators against this president on the right? Uh, because he is shaking up uh, everything that the political Washington has ever known. Uh, they've been very, very uh, set on their ways on how things are done in Washington. And I, I, I have to respect the government as an institution. It has this process. Like I say, it's efficiency, right? But uh, Donald Trump is coming with a more of a evolution. Uh, I always say that Kennedy was a, there was a Kennedy revolution and then there was a Reagan revolution, but there's not necessarily a Trump revolution. I say it's a Trump evolution because he's evolving how Washington works. He's evolving how it is supposed to function for we the people. So drain the swamp was an evolutionary message. Make America great again was a possibility message. Keep America great again is an evolution, evolutionary message with possibilities going forward after the presidency of Donald Trump. It's also the possibilities of what's happening with around the world, and that's what we call the international populism. <clears throat> so this is very, very different than what we saw in the Bush New World Order or in the globalist thinking that we are all one world, one money, one monarchy, one monetarist, and that we all have to go to some one place in The Hague or one place in Washington to figure out what we're all going to do in Peoria, Illinois. That's a lot of bureaucracy. Right now, with the technology that's so pervasive, your new your program is new media, uh, Alex. People are not looking at the mainstream media for their messages. They're looking for new ways to use technology and new media. And they are already informing themselves and becoming more informed. And that was the reason why Trump got elected, because they got the news from other sources other than the mainstream media that was telling them to vote for Hillary. Talking to that's uh... what the Talking to Oliver, yep. Ma- talking to Oliver McGee of uh, OliverMcGee.org and former White House senior science and tech policy advisor, and also Secretary of Transportation. And uh, I, I agree with you. I mean, we need new ways to do it. And I always, I want to be sort of a new voice of the future because there's not many in this age group that's doing podcasts, uh, political <laughs> podcasts, anyway. The way I see it. Yeah. And uh, you're doing some good stuff. I saw your picture on the new meeting uh, with um, the vice president's uh, wife and daughter. That was a lovely picture. Right. They came into the studios here at uh, 111 Broadway. But we are um, we are uh, you were the U.S. Deputy Assistant Secretary of Transportation. And let's be honest, transportation is something that needs improvement. We have an Obama funded bridge that collapses of, you know, last week, which was kind of bizarro to read, it, co- it was connected to Obama. But overall, infrastructure is weak, and and it's just getting weaker. And our Democratic friends and neighbors don't want to do anything about it. They don't want to meet with Trump. They just want to complain about Trump's inaction on other things. You know, um, I I've been uh, speaking on quite a bit of uh, media lately, and I've been describing uh, Trump's agenda as a 90-year do plan, 30 years of tax cuts and jobs acts reform. That's what that big Christmas gift was about. That tax tax bill was 30-year plan. We haven't seen anything like that since Reagan. And 30 years is a generation. And the 
immigration bill, he's going to get that. That's going to be one of the biggest, biggest uh, achievements in immigration that we've had in 30 years since Reagan, when he came up with the big amnesty uh, policies. And infrastructure is another 30-year bill. He's asking for 10 years, $1 trillion in investment in infrastructure. But you know that it takes about 30 years for you to realize the benefits of that investment, and you see the benefits of the infrastructure that's created. And that infrastructure hinges on transportation, broadband, and clean water. If you have a transportation system in a very fast, mobile country, uh, transportation is business communications, and how you communicate through people, ideas, and things is a very, very good way of driving growth in your economy. Broadband, especially new broadband that are in rural communities and communities that we need to develop that as we develop the technology and make it faster, better, cheaper, we need to make sure that the wireless systems are available in the communities that do not have it as efficiently as the urban centers. And this is how Trump is going to, and future presidents will be able to bring their messages to the Rust Belt states, not just to the urban centers. And we can have dirty water in Flint, Michigan. Water is the life bread sustenance of life. It is the, it, you got to bring clean water to the bread basket of America. You got to have bread and water in Ohio. You got to have bread and water, clean water in Michigan. Water is also the basis of advancements of science and technology. When I was in the White House Science Office, Alex, we did a lot of work on food safety and water safety. And there was a lot of chemistry and a lot of biology and a lot of good, hard science and engineering, especially when you're building the new canals of the future. That is how we as Americans are Roman. That's what the transportation infrastructure is. So when you look at infrastructure, when you look at immigration, when you look at taxes, tax reform, that's not Donald Trump's 90-year do plan. And, uh, I mean, they'll approve this plan eventually, right? They'll have to, I think. If mm -hmm. they notice their <clears throat> seats are going away and, and they know why they're going away because they're not supporting this president's American agenda, they will come to the table, I'm convinced. Yes, and I think the American people are going to force them to do that, because if you have a very innovative uh, presidency that has come in now, you do want to make sure that when he does get reelected, which I think he very much so will in 2020, that you, when, he, when we get to the presidency, the institution presidency in 2024 and in 2028, how do you stop Washington from killing the benefits of the 90-year due plan? You've got to change how we do business in the swamp. You have to drain the swamp because it makes no sense to have all this cyclic nature that we have with the presidency, and then all of a sudden the new president comes in and tears everything down and throws it into the Potomac. Now, I will agree. Obamacare had needed to be thrown into the Potomac River. I believe that some of the policies that Obama was doing needed to be thrown into public in the Potomac River. But that was a lot, that was a short range view. Donald Trump is a businessman bringing a business sensibility, which I have. I have a business sensibility with along with my science and technology. He that is giving he's bringing to the government a long range strategy execution built on innovation 
and integration of what we see in taxes, immigration, and infrastructure. That's integration. It's post-merger integration. And he's also done something really pretty phenomenal. He's put a stamp on the presidency, which is called Trump. That is very, very important to getting a 90-year due plan done. And we've got to put congressmen in there that really understand this plan and are not willing to come in and vote it into the Potomac River as soon as Trumpism is over. And I think this election is going to be that defining moment. I mean, he's only got yeah. one more midterm left, if I'm not mistaken. Well, actually, he could be reelected in 2020. But, you know, he's got one midterm in this in this presidency, and this is it. And I think we're going to see Republican senators be voted in because, they're, as we all mentioned, they're going to be helped. These citizens are going to be helped in the fall. And I don't think we're going to get things thrown into the Potomac anymore. At least we hope not. I agree. And Alex, I wrote an uh, article very early on after the Cleveland debate when Trump <laughs> really uh, exploded onto the scene. It's a beautiful debate he did in Cleveland in the first part of the primaries of the GOP. Uh, it was called Let Trump Be Trump Beyond Reagan or Roosevelt. And the reason I wrote that article, and it's on my website, is still there, um, and it got pretty much shared across a lot of media outlets, but they never really uh, uh, cited it or anything like that. I can understand that, but it got into a lot of hands as books. Uh, but look at that title, Let Trump Be Trump, Beyond Reagan or Roosevelt. And the reason I wrote that article is because I knew at the time that after he said, only Rosie O'Donnell, when Megyn Kelly hit him with that big bomb question, I stood up in the bar and I was in, I said, that man is going to be president. Because the audience erupted in laughter. They were just like, they, they were, I've never seen an audience reaction like that in any presidential debate. Uh, ever, 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 ever. And what, I, what, I'm, what I'm coming to, because I'm being a little professorial today, if you don't mind, uh, but what I'm coming to quickly is that, he, in the 21st century, that is Donald Trump, is the Roosevelt of the 20th century. And in the article, I bring the threads between the rise of Trumpism and the rise of Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt, at the beginning of the century. And what Teddy Roosevelt did and the issues that he talked about then were transformative in reorganizing America post the Civil War. And he did a lot of the major policies that have lasted a century. We still have the Interior Department in which he established. That's right. Panama yep. And the Panama Canal. So he opened up. Oh, Panama Canal was, was Roosevelt's immigration plan at the time so that we can go through to Central America instead of going all the way down by below Chile. Uh, so he created a transformative 90-year due plan. Tra fast forward to the age of Trumpism for which Alex Garrick is in. How do you get to 2076? You have to have a 90-year due plan so that you can reach America's third century. Alex, you'll still be here. I won't be because I'm much, much older. Uh, you're but not I, that old. <laughs> but, but I, I, I hear work you. But I work hard and to be an advocate for the Trump agenda so that we can get to 2076. I, when I wrote my book, Jump into Aisle, How I Became a Black Republican in the Age of Obama, 
the last chapter is called On Getting to 2076, America's Third Centennial. We did the bicentennial with Jimmy Carter. So we always have to look at a perspective of where we are, respect the history of America, as we show the way through Trumpism, and then as we chart the vision for the future with the 90-year due plan of President Trump. And so what, one other thing, this plan and letting Trump be Trump, that does mean let him keep tweeting. Am I correct? Is that what you'd say if I were to ask you that question, that, that we, he needs to keep tweeting and keep breaking through to the masses and not worry about what the media actually says about him? The very first day he stepped into uh, the office after he was elected, and it was a, uh, a few days before, uh, actually a couple of days before the inauguration, I was on CNN, <clears throat> uh, the morning program, and I was very much so an advocate say, let Trump keep tweeting. Besides, as he's tweeting, you all have a problem with that. You're picking them up. You're, you're picking them up and publishing them. Yep, And everybody are. was reacting to his tweeting. And I kept saying, no, you got to let the man tweet because the president has three powers, the power to point, the power to sign, but most importantly, the power to persuade, according to uh, late, my late professor Dick Newstead at Harvard. And in that power of persuasion, leaders like President Trump, like Queen Elizabeth with uh, television, like King George V with radio, and King George VI used radio as well, although he stuttered a lot, they all used the advances in technology to do what? The power of persuasion. And Trump, by tweeting, is using technology to convey his message over and above what is now a new media that is being defined that is very different than the old media that we've seen that we grew up with. And they have to change with it. And have you noticed a year from now that his tweeting has now been commonplace as part of the news cycle? Absolutely. They were they, all shocked. We all wake up at uh, yeah. at 8 a.m. What did he tweet, to, tweet this morning? You know, And it actually, That's talking right. about history, it reminds me of FDR and the fireside chats. Because when, yeah. when do we have a present since that fireside chats break through the meat to the masses we haven't so he's done something that roosevelt did years ago and he's probably the first president to do anything like it because these other presidents they wouldn't really talk to the american people like this president has let's just be honest about that alex you have had a gifted wonderful life i have enjoyed being your friend and watching your gifted life and one of the things that I've noticed about your life is you've been around presidents, lots of them. They just come to you. And what they're doing is they're coming to you because you represent a voice, an energy of optimism. You're so authentic, and they see it all over you. I'm so proud when I have become your friend and seen your life. And there's a reason why you have presidents that come to you, Alex is because they see your authenticity. And that's ultimately what Donald Trump is doing with his Twitter. He's so authentic that he is coming at you, much like you're coming at your audience with this podcast, this new media. I'm doing it. I, 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 I did not have a Twitter account or a Facebook account or a LinkedIn account before 2000, 
2007, 2008. My website was established. Yeah, I'm on Facebook 10 years this uh, this um, this August. So yeah, I've had it yeah. for only 10 years myself. Yeah, it's a new medium, and those who adopted the technology and then get comfortable with it and then be authentic with it. That's really the ones who are really going to break through in this new shaping of America's social fabric. One thing that Twitter does, it makes you authentic. It it, it really takes away all of the pretense because you have to be authentic if you got to describe something in 240 characters and then – or 280 characters. And and then when I was talking about it on CNN, about the president tweeting, at the time I said on the show, you know, a tweet only lasts 18 minutes and then it disappears in the mist. Boy, they went wild on that. But they took that message to Twitter leadership, and guess what? You can now retweet. Yep. Now it lasts longer than 18 minutes. And then I put out the Twitter support. You know what? The president is using Twitter so much. I wrote this Twitter support. You all need to at least give him 280 characters. You can keep us all to 140. But the president should not have to put his message to the nation between two tweets. I complained about that. And guess what? We now got 280 characters. So if if you're upset about the 280 characters or like it, it's Oliver McGee's doing, everybody. That is really cool to know. Well, I don't know if I want to say that because I'd probably have to go in and, and ask to, you know, Twitter gets so much information. But I was an advocate on there. I really, really complained to them on that. I specifically, I remember the message I wrote to them saying, you need to at least give Trump 280 characters. And I think they might have listened to that. But I'm humble enough to know that some other people might have been complaining too. But the issue is, at least we got the result. We the people, we speak up. We can change how we can communicate with each other. And we love our president tweeting. I I would agree with that. Hey, Oliver, I know you got to run, but thanks so much for coming on to Keeping Real with Alexander Garrett. And uh, we'll have you on for sure in the near future as things develop here in this presidency. Thank you, Alex. And I'm always a pleasure speaking with you. All right. I'm on, on and online and offline. <laughs> amen to that. Hey, Alex Garrett here. Keep it real. Special edition with Oliver McGee. We'll be back soon enough on Keep it real with Alexander Garrett. Thanks again, Oliver. Did we keep your goal?